Okay, let's get into it. The Luminaries is back at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe for another live edition. On Thursday, September 5th, join me for Drag and the Future, featuring the absolute future of drag, Charlene, Harajuku, and West Dakota. If you don't know these three, trust me, they're of the best living performers on this plane of reality right now. We're going to talk about their work and how they're changing the institution of drag. So I'll see you there, Thursday, September 5th at Housing Works. Oh, and did I mention it's free? Okay, moi. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. There are no Fairweather fans of Amber Martin. The cabaret diva has amassed a dedicated queer following with her high-intensity tributes to acts like Bette Midler, Janis Joplin, and Reba McIntyre. Before she honors Laura Nero at Joe's Pub on September 7th, she speaks with me and Derek Smith about how she channels the goddess power. I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm with the swamp goddess, Amber Martin, and uh, my fellow witch, Derek Smith. And we were all just speaking about our recent adventures in Fire Island. And Amber, you just did a bet Midler... Not a bet, Midler. You did your bet, Bathhouse, no. and Beyond showcase yes. in Fire Island. It, it, it was and it wasn't because first there was the party. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Daniel, um, Daniel Nardiccio and Drew Brody had been. Uh, and if Daniel, if you're listening to this, and I say something wrong, I don't want any shit from you. <laughs> Keeping um, my mouth shut. But, uh, but from what I recall. Uh, you're, when it when you know club coming naturally was Eastern Block, mm-hmm. and that and I live around the corner, so that was my watering hole. You know, I would stumble home around the corner from there. You know, late and I'd close the bar with Darren Dryden behind the bar, and we would just shoot shit all night. Wow! And um, <clears throat> I had told him I was like, let's do a party. Uh, where and call it Bathhouse H A U S because Eastern Block Bathhouse, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know everybody can check their clothes at the door, get their towel, we'll fog the room, turn the lights down, play seventies Bathhouse disco, oh and I'll God. jump up and do uh, that middle, you know, <laughs> yes. and it'll be like a tribute to the Continental Baths. Uh-huh. Yes, and um, you know, and I was also at the time where he was kind of just bored with it all, and so he was about to sell it to Alan and Daniel. Mm-hmm. And meantime, I, unbeknownst to me, Daniel and Drew Brody had been trying to talk about, let's make a play mm. about the bathhouse. And, you know, I'd be, I think they were talking about me doing bet. Mm-hmm. That's what Daniel said. Yeah. And, um, and when I eventually, a year later after they bought Club Coming, and I was talking to Daniel, I was like, you know, I had this really great idea about doing a a party, a naughty, a naughty party, yeah. you know, and because <clears throat> I'm obsessed with the Continental Baths, the legend of it, obsessed. I love it. Um, apparently, there's a documentary that I haven't seen yet somewhere. Animatronic told me about it. We'll of course, that, right, Anna? I know. Yeah. We'll have to Google that. But <clears throat> uh, somebody out there in Podland is googling it right now. <laughs> And, uh, but anyways, and, and Daniel was like, well, screw the play. We'll yeah. make more money with the party. <laughs> he's yeah. always oh thinking God. about money, it, which is a good thing. That's why he's successful. And um, so we started doing it. He named it Bet Bathhouse and Beyond. 
And Drew, we've been doing it for two years now. We've done it twice, about to do it again in New Orleans, three times in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So if you're going, September 1st. Bet okay. Bathhouse and Beyond. So, so you've now done Bet Bathhouse and Beyond at Club Coming, Joe's Pub. I no, ass- okay, no, no, no. I, I, the, let me, let me clarify. Okay. So, um, we've been doing the pop up. Bet comes popping up like three times in the okay. night during the party, and just three songs, little oh, short cool. spurts, because okay. you know you don't want to distract from what's really going exactly. on in the party. Exactly. Um. <laughs> Your mother's here. Wait, should we like set up what bet, bet and the Continental Bath <laughs> yeah, is? Yeah, Because it's, it's a thing that if you don't know about it, you need to go on yeah. YouTube yeah. and watch that whole well, fucking 40-minute thing. there's a 50-something, yeah. Yes, and it's, it is mind melting. So let's start with the legend, and then I want to know where you discovered it. So let's just start generally, 1971, what the fuck was going on yeah. at the Continental mm-hmm. Baths. Mm-hmm. Well... Um, I know that from my research that Bet, you know, had done some bit things on Broadway. So she was a uh, climbing the ladder to get to Broadway. She knew, she knew she had something, but she was, she like was kind of in right? chorus. You know, she wasn't really. Yeah, she was younger. Yeah, Fresh yeah, from really Hawaii, which old, I'm obsessed with her being from Hawaii. And, you know, she was just a sass pants, and yeah. um, she was hungry. And Steve Ostro, the owner of the Continental Baths. Uh, had heard about her this this broad doing some stuff, and he was trying to put he was trying to up the ante at the bar at the club. And the Continental Baths were on Seventy Second and in the Columbus. what is now a parking garage under the Ansonia. Wild, wow! And it was like one of the biggest bathhouses for gay men in it New York was. City, right? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, and it, there was a pool. There was a, a black light room, like. Uh, where they would do black lights and the walls were black and, you know, people would get it on. Uh And also, I think, you know, any bathhouse I've been to now, which I've enjoyed, it's a completely different experience because back then, of course, the bathhouse was also a cultural hub. So Mm. people brought food. Mm -hmm. There, Uh It wasn't unusual. Uh, Of course, it's unusual that Bette Midler was performing there, but the idea of sharing music was not unusual because it was a place where you would go for a long time and see yeah. your faggots and yeah. create. You had like a twenty-four hour pass. You yes. had three meals there. Yeah. Oh it was God. like it was like a treat, you know. And you yeah, could see yeah, and I shows. feel like exactly and, and hold like, court in your room too. Yeah, and now it's like the culture of like bathhouses or like these kind of parties. It's like you drop in for a few hours. Right. right. And you know what I mean. And Everything's then it was like, different yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And also pre-internet, mm-hmm. everybody's attention span was way longer. Right. You know, you couldn't record anything. You couldn't, like, now everybody's just, i got to check right. my phone every yeah. 30 minutes. You but know, also, I mean, I can be on Scruff all day, every day, or on any app or whatever. It seemed like the idea then was you would go to the bathhouse, and if you were closeted or not, it would sustain you Yeah. for however much longer until you'd be with the community again. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So we've kind of set that out. So anyways. So, so Bet, Bet. Bet he, he invited her to be the weekend show. Mm. And I'll give you two or two hundred or three hundred bucks for the show, and she's like, "Yes, you know, and we'll give you a pianist. We have a house pianist, Barry Manilow, who was the house pianist for the. <laughs> so I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And um, did you guys know Barry's gay? <laughs> he just came out. Thank God he finally came out because we had no idea. You uh, guys, uh, Barry, gay." <laughs> 
I feel like this in 20 years, this is going to be like with Hugh Jackman, like in in space on in space when they're doing podcasts, they're all going to be cackling about Hugh Jackman. Anyways, um, yeah, Barry, bless his heart. How how old was he? Do we think he must he have been probably in his yeah you know, probably same age around. Okay. I don't. I really don't know. I haven't looked into that, but. Mm. She started doing it, and um, slowly but surely it became the thing. And think about 1971, okay? Barely legal at that point. Stonewall had just happened a few mm-hmm. years prior, right? Yeah. yeah, 69. Yeah. And, I mean, so it was cl- it was clandestine. Is that the right way to say Clandestine? Mm-hmm. Clandestine? Judy um, Dench says clandestine, so you're Clandestine. Good. I like yeah. that. Well, let's that. do what Judy Dench Yes. Dame Judy <laughs> Shows. Um, but yeah, so it was, I'm sure it was like, can you imagine being a man in that situation? By the way, post Stonewall pre AIDS, what a fucking time to be a gay I man. Know. Disco, you know, real and disco. And like just free for totally. all, man. The trucks, the meat trucks, the peers, the peers. There's a great movie documentary. I'm, I'm eating in the. Oh, literally always. This is the Amistar Queens will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wasp-free podcast. I encourage you to. Did we even do a mic check on this? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, with I, I got totally with the moment that was going on with like uh, Stonewall having just happened, A's not having happening yet, mm-hmm. Harvey Milk on the other side yeah. of the country, you know, yeah. becoming right. No, know, things were civil rights was like yeah, yeah. What a great time, you know, and also not a great time because the places were still getting raided and people were still getting treated terribly, you know. Uh, Gay Sex in the Seventies documentary, okay, homework, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously, Derek and I love the book "Dancer um, from the Dance." That's kind of foundational for us. I haven't seen it. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, is there a movie? But is it a no? It's, it's a just book? a book, but it's set in I think like 1977, and it's just the fucking uh, rush. It's and just yes. yeah. I mean, I'm so I, why I'm a biological female, and I'm so intrigued by the history of the homosexual man in our country. I don't know why. I think because I've always had, my dad was a great, is a great man. Like I had a great group of men in my upbringing, Mm. you know, and I was, there was no like abusiveness. There was no drug addiction or anything. It was just like good guys, you know, and treating us all great. Me and my cousins and boys and girls, whatever. Everybody was great. Um, Nobody was Gay, to my recollection, some female cousins I think um, uh, are gay, but um, but I guess it's just the idea of, for me, like in this world we live in, I am surrounded by so many gay men in my career, in my life, my best friends, my family, my chosen family, and li- I get that I feel so safe and lifted by the gay men culture. I think I was thinking about you and I was thinking about Bette Midler today. And I think the reason why, you know, when gay men often choose their divas, it really is from this place of pure love. And it's often a lifelong relationship. You know, you think about old faggots who go and see, I mean, Madonna's an obvious example, but 
a lot of these women's careers are really sustained by these old gay men who are like, I'm in it to win it with you. Yeah. And then when you think about the bathhouse, it's such a it such a space of free love and obviously unconditional acts of sex or love or embrace, but it's not tied to money or expectation or like a woman's duties. Well, there was nothing like it either. I, yeah. I would venture to say, and I honestly wasn't here, so I don't know, but uh, I believe maybe the Continental Baths was one of the only, if not the uh, pioneer places to have a situation where you've got like a secret situation going on with men right. in towels and a full on Broadway review, like nasty. <laughs> Broadway right. style, you know, Rusty Warren style, you know, Sophie Tucker, mm. you know, just talking shit. <laughs> I can you know? see for someone like you, like if you were raised with good relationships with men, then to be in the world we're in now where everything is so fucked up and complicated. Mm. Mm. I can understand why a space like that where gay men are sexually free and mm. then are giving you this like raw, unadulterated love, I, I feel like you can probably trust it more than I'm you could. I'm a warrior for LGBTQ. That's for sure. Like, I'm a warrior. Right. I'm, I'm a queer, warrior diva. You know, I'm a queer person. Right. And, uh, and I'm certainly a warrior and, you know, I'm a friend for sure. Uh, and also, I wouldn't be enjoying the level of success I'm having right now if it weren't for my gay um, audience too so so how did you find yourself um, enamored with this kind of legendary era oh well I was born in 1970 oh yeah <laughs> and um, so which every decade I turn a new decade you know so in 1980 I was 10 in 1990 I was 20 you know and yes. so for that first decade of your life, one to ten is kind of, you know, pivotal, right? So that was the 70s for me. And the 70s were cha and fucking chaotic. And I remember <laughs> as a child, and I remember television, and, you know, I remember, you know, Soul Train and all the Norman Lear TV shows mm. and, you know, Soap with their gay character mm -hmm. on there. It was Billy Crystal, right? Yes. He played a gay. Wow. Right? On what? Soap. So oh, the show is called Soap. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. Um, that, I think that was a cutting edge breakout role on for TV. It was. It was a sh I feel. I feel like I vaguely remember. I didn't get into it. It was kind of boring to me. Like I was too young to click with it. Um, but anyways, real quick, to, back to the bet thing. So... We do the party, right? And we've been doing it for a few years. We've traveled it. Fire Island, uh, Pines, third year this year. And uh, <clears throat> I just, I, Joe's Pub came to me and was like, let's do a, let's do a series. Let's do a residency. Summer, sizzling summer residency. <laughs> I call it that. <laughs> it's really working. Sizzling yeah. summer series. <laughs> As I drool on <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and I thought, you know, you know what I want to do? I want to do three different shows, and I want to tribute three women that inspired me, the world, and lived, loved, and made legend in New York City. So it's also like a love story for New York City, a, yeah. like my love letter to New York City. And also Joe's Pub. Joe's like Pub is so great. I know it's my at. family. Yeah. It's I've been here thirteen years, and I've 
been performing there for probably like 11 mm. years. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily solo, but, you know, I did. Yeah, it's the tempo, though. And, we're going to we're going to get we're there. Gonna Let's talk about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Um, wait, uh, but it's Laura Nero. Laura Nero. Nero. So the first one was Janice, right. who's a Texas girl and more known for her San Francisco era. Mm-hmm. But she lived in the Chelsea for like a few years. You know, right before she passed away, she mm. was with Leonard Cohen, she was with you know, Patti Smith was around mm. before she was famous, but living there with Robert Maplethorpe. Mm. So yeah. Salvador Dali, right. all these people. Chris Christopherson was hanging out. You know, that's where <laughs> he gave her, that's where he taught, he played Bobby McGee for her at the Chelsea Hotel for the first time. Patti Smith was there. She wow. watched it. Wild. Go down, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's an important New York connection, I think. And, um, and then Bet happened. And that was the first real time I actually turned the bet idea into a full show. So this was in uh, mid-August. You did August tenth. Yeah, August tenth. You did sold out the bet show at out. Joe's Pub, and mm-hmm. it sold out. Okay. Yeah. So how did that go? How did it translate for you? So magic. Okay. I, I encouraged audience to come in their best bathhouse attire. Yes. <laughs> so people were wearing caftans and. Moo's and robes and Good. some some people actually wore towel wraps oh. with he- people had head towels on. Heaven. Heaven. <laughs> the only thing missing was the fog. Because they won't do that at Joe's pub. They won't they don't have the haze. I know, or... I have to say Eastern Block and Club coming, you can really make that happen yes. in a snap. Uh-huh. I love Naturally. It. I mean I, I love hate it, it too. for singing. It really chokes you up. Mm. But uh I love how it it just makes a party so much better, you know. Dance party especially. Suicide party. Is the Bet Joe's show, is it just like word for word, song for song, what that 50 minute video is? No, okay, so what we did was I watched all of that video. There's a 50 something minute. Classical text, unbelievable. Yeah, if you go to YouTube and look up uh, Bet Midler Continental Baths, it's like the first thing that Mm -hmm. pops up. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different short clips, but you want the long one, the 50 minute one. Because the banter's amazing. Her whole show. Yeah. It's the whole show. And her, like, calling out actresses. Keep your eye on the right shoulder. (laughs) You know, she's. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what is she? She's all, laugh, motherfucker. You didn't pay to get in here. Laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So many great little moments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bruce Valanche wrote all of her jokes. Whoa. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. That's. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, he deserves a lot more honor than I think he's given. Sorry, everybody. I'm having a grape. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. So, you know, last week, actually, the day we got back from Fire Island, I was completely brain dead and I put on HBO what was on. Big Business, starring Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler. Uh, I've not seen it. Well, it's psychotic. It's completely deranged. Um, But what I was thinking about when I was watching it is, you know, Bette Midler is not... Um, and I said this to Derek when I saw you last week. Bette Midler is not 
normal. <laughs> no. She's not. She's not with us on this planet. No. She's not really like other human beings, just in the way she moves and the way that she engages. And right. there, oh, there is that misfit quality about her that really, I think so that's what makes so. her kind of indelible. She pushes mm-hmm. so far. And she, yeah. she loves the camp. She loves the showiness of everything. All of her performances. Like, yeah. her, like, acting. It's like, this isn't for film. You yes. Know? No. Like, well, that's the thing. She never was, in my opinion, she never was mainstream. No. She was underground magic like mm-hmm. gold dust you know and i think you know when she when she really hit it big i think maybe just from people criticizing her pitch or whatever um i think it possibly put her in a more safe place yeah cuz you can see the change happen if you and i've done a lot of like Wormhole mm. with Bet online, right. looking at material and trying to get, you know, so what am I, what monologue? Because I want to do some of her monologues in my show. I want to talk as me. I want to be me. So it's not, I wouldn't call it an impersonation. Um, but then there's times where I'm going to tell the story of how Bruce Valanche wrote jokes for Bet and she would do a monologue like this and then just go start doing a Bet monologue mm. from what I, you know, from the bathhouse or whatever. I think. You know, at the bathhouse, she was, there were no cameras. Right. So she could just kind of do anything she wanted. She was also an unknown, so she, she could get away with it. But once she started doing, you know, like Johnny Carson and people started re- Rolling Stone Review and stuff like that, maybe um, people were harsh. And I think, as any human would be, um, sensitive to hard criticism about your singing voice, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, or who knows what. And I think it affected her, you know. She's still amazing, but she'll never be that. It's my favorite version of her. Me too. You know? It's the hungry... Yeah, but also just completely unhinged. Unhinged. Right. And that just, you saying that Mm -hmm. makes me think that one of the reasons why queer men or queer people so comfortably, like canonize or love or you know just are obsessed with you know women singers and it's because you know when when bet was there it was for her and it was her sharing that gift with this like huge group of people and when you try to apply that into the mainstream american media it's like that's not what it's for yeah but it's like a gift that's been shared with us and we get Mm -hmm. to like it's ours in a way. It is yours. Do you know? It's for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's similar with you and your audiences and like, um, and the, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone who would go to see you is like a dilettante or just like someone who would be going to see Frozen on Broadway. Can you give me the definition of dilettante, please? Dilettante. I have been a dilettante many times in my life, which is like an amateur in tastes. So you kind of like mm. enter an mm. arena and it often implies that you have money because you're just like, oh, well, I'm into archery now. And it's like, you're not into archery. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm um, I'm into cabaret theater now. And it's like, no, you're not. I've decided I'm going to be a swordsman. Exactly. Um. And there's, there's, you know, there's nothing worse than, than when a scene comes in vogue and people kind of swing in or out of it. And I don't think anyone who would go see you is kind of like... 
I mean, I feel like if people are coming to see you, it's really with love and passion because I think that's what you bring. It's not really um, a half-assed show. It's not people coming and seeing like, oh, let's just see someone sing. I mean, I think oh. people are in on the witchcraft that you're in on, right? I hope so. I mean, I think your audiences get <laughs> it. And if get not, it. I hope they leave. <laughs> After paying. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to finish uh, also to bring it back, so... The, the second show was bet. The third one is coming up. Right. September 7th. At 9.30 p.m. at Joe's Pub. Yes. <laughs> and I'm doing, it's Laura Nero, and I am saving the best for mm. last, in my personal, humble opinion, because, mm. and I think Bet would agree. Yeah. Um, Janice might not agree, but, <laughs> but Janice, um, Janice and, um, and Laura knew each other. Laura's not alive anymore. Bet knew Laura too. I think they had met, but Bet accepted uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Laura Nero, and that's a fun thing to watch. Wow! If you go on mm. again on YouTube and look up Bet Midler Laura Nero Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, uh, it's the induction because Laura had passed away when she was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and so Bet accepted. Well, her son Laura's son accepted it, but Bet spoke so laura nero just to kind of lay some groundwork mm -hmm. laura nero sang uh wedding bell blues she wrote she wrote i'm sorry mm -hmm. she she is wedding bell blues she She's... wrote and when i die and when i die when she was 16 <sighs> do yeah. you mind if i just say if, if i speak the first verse by so by a 16 year old right <clears throat> I'm not scared of dying, and I don't really care. If it's peace you find in dying, well, let the time be near. If it's peace you find in dying, and the dying time is near, we'll bundle up my coffin because it's cold way down there. I hear that it's cold way down there. Who's 16 and writes that? Some people. But she did, and I have chills on my legs. Yeah. Every verse. But uh, she did Eli's Coming. Um, she did a Stony End right. that we all know from Barbara. So she, I mean, listen, all three of these women in some ways were outcasts, but she's an interesting one because I know that she rarely ever performed live, correct? Uh, she did She did perform live quite a bit. And she had sort of a, like, femme following. Okay. Uh, she was lesbian. In the beginning, she and David Geffen lived together right. and were a, a couple. And it was before he was obviously out, and before she was out. Mm. And, um, you know, rumor has it, oh, I would love to ask David Geffen. I don't know the guy, but if I ever met David Geffen, the first thing on my agenda with him would be Laura. Yeah. Mm. I just want to know everything. Um, but because uh, she left us with so many unanswered questions, you know. She seemed a little... When I think of her, and correct me if I'm wrong, but she seems a little like she was too pure for this world in some I ways. I think definitely. And her music was, has this earnestness and this she sadness. She was pre-goth. She was a total... Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at pictures of her, she's all... You know, right. she's total goth. Dark hair and... Um, she's pre-punk. Like, everything yeah. about her was just, you know... She had control. She had it worked out. So that she had control over every aspect of everything that she did. So if she had an album, she wanted, 
candles lit all around the studio. She wanted to ride to the studio on a horse-drawn carriage through Central Park, mm. you know, to get there, to get her in the mood, you know. And then she would stay for hours and hours and take after take after take until she felt that it was perfect. And, uh, and you know, the, the label would be like, come on, Laura, yeah. come on, we got a time crunch here. And she just took her time. Then she was responsible for the album designs of her records, the way they looked. She had a certain idea. She was one of the first people to put printed lyrics on the pullout sleeve. Wow. You know, not, people weren't doing that yet, and she was one of the first people to to do that. She was always art, artful thinking, you know, in everything she did. And, you know, some people... Uh, Laura is, you know, some people, you know, love her or do not like her voice because she's got one of those kind of voices that can kind of get a little pitchy at times. Yeah. But it's, you listen to the production of her song, her version of the popular songs, you know, Three Dog Night, um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, um, God, Barbara, Frank Sinatra covered one of her songs, uh, Fifth Dimension. All these mega, mega hits happened with her music. And uh, she did never have any mega hits yeah. with her own songs. But I'm sure she didn't mind because she was making the money from those people too, you know. And it seemed like she wasn't interested in performativity. You know, a lot of the ways that you just described her, uh, even the, this, those lyrics from when she was 16, of course now... I could see someone in a like tumblery, um, like you said, goth kind of like attention seeking way doing that sort of um, it's almost diva attitude. It's almost like performative sadness. It seemed like she was really so earnestly mm -hmm. in it mm -hmm. that I don't think she would engage with that out ex external bullshit. To be, uh, I truly believe she wasn't seeking that kind of stardom. Right. You know, I, I feel like she was more the true artist from the heart. She's like, I have a message. I have a song. I want to do this. I want to create this creation, you know, and and share it. And, you know, uh, David Geffen had a lot to do with her becoming a star. Yeah, it's a gay man helping yes. uh, this, yeah. this goddess mm -hmm. kind of form mm -hmm. on this plane, as always. Yeah. And um, when she, like, and she was also when everybody in the late '60s and early '70s was singing about, you know, Monday, Monday, yeah. you know, here comes her singing about the poverty train, which is about drug addiction and cocaine, because mm. she's from the Bronx, right. you know, she wasn't a hippie on the West Coast, she was a street singer in New York City, you mm. know. <laughs> well, and also if you think about. You know, the person in my head when you started doing that was Karen Carpenter, who had the most tragic life. Ugh. But none of that could ever be really externalized. It seems like at least Laura Nero could be like, look, this is it. This is real. She was. Rather she than was about having to put up a, a screen. Yeah. yeah. So every album cover of hers is, you look at, is her vision, right. part of her vision. I know. And I now there it. are too many, like, roadblocks, you know, with... You know, well, now there's no like album that. anymore. There's yeah. no, there's yeah. no arc. There's no, you know, in the '70s and '80s when records were the thing, mm -hmm. you know, you just couldn't wait for the new. Don't laugh at me, but the new Foreigner album. You know, right. <laughs> you'd go to the store and you'd get it, bring it home, and 
uh, pull off the cellophane and I always smelled it first. Mm. I was like, yeah. weirdo, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, open it up, pull out the sleeve, read the lyrics, read the thank yous. They always like to thank their yes. drug dealer, you know. Which on my, I did the, I copycatted that. <laughs> yes. On my record. Which I'll, I am we'll, gold. We'll get, into, we'll get into that if you want. But, um, and then, then you'd listen to the whole record, side one, start to finish, side two, start to finish. And there was something of an arc. And in most cases, there was something of a story, like a Kate Bush album. Mm. There's a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's mm. no, it's not like a K-Tel compilation record. No. There's a sort of an arc. And usually by the fourth song, you have a hit. Right. Did you guys know that? But you have to build to it. If you look at any like famous record, the fourth song is always the hit. Why? Wow. I don't know. I I'm, 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 I can see that. I can see that very clearly because the first song is an introduction. The yes. second is kind of You're building it up. testing the dimension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then three and four. Would I mean, I'm thinking the... about art pop. <laughs> what, okay. what you, what? I, it's a Lady Gaga it's... album. I, I, I'm no, being that's okay. swine. Does but... she do that? Does I, she have an arc in her? I've never listened there is to, usually an, to an entire Lady I Gaga. think people want narrative i think like people really and your shows even these three shows within themselves and as a trilogy there's a clear narrative and i guess i'm just curious what for you what you where it started with janice and where it's going to end with laura like what what's your personal journey in it what's you what's the narrative for you for me uh, the narrative actually there the three artists are actually very tied together um janice i guess would be the first one. She would be the first one because Laura, even though Laura was writing songs before Janice, you know, Janice, I mean, Janice was the first one because she mm-hmm. was, she and Laura were both at Monterey Pop. But Janice exploded at Monterey Pop, like instantly world scene. Mm-hmm. Bet years later, you know, Bet was watching all of that as a young adult, but you know, years later, not that many years later, seventy-one, she's you know, doing her own thing. So she was inspired by Janice, and ended up playing Janice in the Rose. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really needed that actually. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's Janice. The white women listening to this podcast are now like in the room with us. Yeah. Okay. Now right? that you mentioned the rose. Okay. Seriously. Whew. Okay. So then, and then the connection between Laura and Janice, we'll never know. Mm. But the connection between, there's pictures of Janice and Laura hanging out. It's, mm. you know, those are fun to look at, but you just, you'll never know. And it's, that's also very queer because the idea of like women in that industry, mm-hmm. basically knowing Both what's up. Both of them were queer ladies. Right. But there is this sort of, you know, they're in this like horribly sexist industry and they mm. kind of have this secret bond that men will never understand. Mm-hmm. That's super queer. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a huge appeal to, to gay men, of course. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, it's great. We're having a conversation. <laughs> You know, and then the connection between the inspiration that Laura Nero gave Bet, mm. which in turn invited Bet to accept the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for Laura, mm. induction for Laura. Which is unusual. So they're all three intrinsically tied together, you know. 
and that's that's my narrative with it. I, and also I'm super familiar with all three of these artists' music, so I thought, you know, I could do a show of my own material. Um, that would be great, you know. But I really think it would. I was thinking in terms of sales, ticket sales, mm. you know. Because um, I could do my solo variety show anywhere, but I've got these three opportunities at Joe's Pub to really build an audience. And I'm thinking, oh, this way people can come and see all three because each show is different, you know? But it's also so much like the tradition of cabaret is like taking these songs that you personally have been so moved by mm -hmm. that like you can identify with or your heart lives in and then mm. like getting to be the vessel for that on your own terms and in your own space. Yeah, I get to own know? it a little bit with yeah. my way. You know, I, I try not to be too precious about the material, but I also don't, I don't, I don't, like I want to do it the way I think they would do it. Mm. You know, like when I do Janice, I can't talk for a week afterward <laughs> because it destroys my right. There's no Broadway Janice. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's just isn't. Yeah. yeah Janice would be mortified. That. Yeah, totally. It's not her jam. Yeah. You know. I, I want to talk about the, <clears throat> the 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 vesselhood because you're a diva and you're a witch and you know, I think what you do is basically you're this vessel for kind of god like pure goddess power. I think that's wow, anyone who sees you. That's huge uh, to hear. Thank you. And even when I'm watching your YouTube clip of you doing Reba McIntyre, <laughs> December second, cool. club uh, coming. It's to me, it's <laughs> not an night. impersonation. It's actually done with love. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's a channeling. So with Reba, with Bet, with with a lot of these women or these forces, it's channeling. It's not. <laughs> It's not parody. And that is a big, big distinction. I think that's a reason why gay men love you because gay men, you know, anytime you see parody that's aimed towards queer people, I'm even thinking about like Mad TV doing Anna Nicole Smith. Sure. It's done with real love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you do it, it's done with love. And I'm just so curious about like the process for you of, let's say it's Reba or Laura, of. How much of it is you? How much of it is them coming through you? How much of it is you getting to be tongue-in-cheek about it? How much of it, you know, what's going, what what the process is for you for this sort of passage? Well, it's different with everyone. With Laura, I'm way more precious with her material mm -hmm. um, because Laura was very serious yeah. about her material. You know, um, I have a little more freedom with Bet. I because Bet was a little bit more flamboyant and all yeah. over the place about, and it also wasn't necessarily her. She didn't write that, you know. Right. She did covers, a lot of covers, you know. Laura wrote, composed, produced right. her. Those are like treasure boxes, you know. Reba. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> smoking weed with all of my friends in my living room one day. Uh, in Portland about 15 years ago and uh, we're listening to a Roseanne Cash album <laughs> and start to finish and uh, you know if anybody does that and at the end of the record uh, <laughs> there's a record skip and it goes and we're all laughing we're just like oh god listen to where it's 
And I just kind of stood up and I'm like, hi, I'm Reba McIntyre. And everybody <laughs> fell on the floor and we were like, oh my God, we have to do that. And, uh, and our favorite Ethiopian restaurant, have you seen that video Yes, yet? I watched it yesterday. <laughs> so it's stupid. like the second your lips do this one yeah. specific thing, it is... She's there. It's Reba is all here. there. Yeah. yeah. We, by the way, I just realized what your shirt, that's hot. Oh my god, it's chicks from with axes. Chicks with Axes. It's from um this Lumberjane show oh. in uh, <laughs> Mount Desert Island in Maine. Uh Timber Tina. I'll I'll send you Please you will link love. me up. I, I will. But anyway, I'm sorry, into Reba. that. Sure, you'll, but so you'll Reba. <laughs> so we were just talking how how ridiculous would it be if Reba bought the local Ethiopian food restaurant that's called Queen of Sheba and call, and changed the name to Queen of Reba. Oh. And um, we, we were friends with Alum, the owner, and his family owned, it was a family-owned Ethiopian restaurant. Uh-huh. Best Ethiopian food. If you're in Portland, Oregon, go to Queen of Sheba. Oh, I didn't realize I was in Portland. It's in Portland, oh, yeah. It. And at the time, uh, my girlfriend Caitlin and I were... Uh, editors, we were we had cable access. We were editors at cable wow. access, and we before they went digital, so we were all like, you know. And then they went digital, and we were like, ah, yeah. we gotta unlearn everything now. Yeah. So uh, we were like, let's make a com- let's make a commercial, and um, we asked Alum if we could shoot in his place. And I'm like, no, it's a, it's comedy. I don't want you to be offended, you know, by what we're doing. You know, Reba taking over his restaurant. Right. Wow. And um, <laughs> and he said yes. He said no problem. Come on. And you know, he let us come in before they opened, so it was empty. And and we shot inside the Queen of Sheba. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's a good one. I'm super proud of it. But yeah. I was also like this big. I was the size of my pinky and. That was my actual prom dress <laughs> that I'm wearing in there from it, high school. It's so Reba. You it's know? Reba. Well, yeah, I did. I said, okay. So, you know, um, there's, okay, here's a, a fun homework for you. Um, Reba came out with two um, greatest hits VHS tapes showing her all of her hit videos, music videos, greatest hits. Uh-huh. And she's. <laughs> The hostess <gasps> of this, of these, this Fuck. compilation. That is the chutzpah that so, I want yeah. and I, I and look for. You're going to live all over <laughs> the place when you see it. Reba on Reba. Reba, and she's clearly in a studio with a fake plant and a chair like this. <laughs> and she's like, and you know, and she'll spin around. She'll have her back to the camera and she'll spin around and she'll go, Hi. I'm Reba McIntyre. You know, that side <laughs> look, she'll be like, you know, I've been singing all my life. You know, and, and it, it's like she'll tell you the story, and then she'll she'll say, well, the funny thing that happened in this video <laughs> when we shot it, you know, was, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and then she'll tell the story of the, what happened in the video. Mm. And, you know, there's nothing, sh- like, there's nothing too soft. It's very conservative. Of course. Oh, right. It's like, but her hair I spilled is the water. The right. Size, <laughs> the, her hair is the size of, you know, Wisconsin. It's huge. Oh, yeah. Heaven. Red, big, you know. She's another one who's not fully with us. 
All of these women are a, right. a little off. Right. That's what makes them so good. Right. She's That's a why off. we. Because even this description you just gave, it's like, what's going on in her little pea brain <laughs> in the studio? You know, it's great. Well, she uh, she was uh, forced to into child labor when she was little. Oh. She and her her uh, brother. Paik and her sister Susie uh, grew up on their dad's cattle ranch mm. in Chalky, Oklahoma. And, you know, so when she was really little, she was out on the horse helping dad, you know. So she knew she was a tough broad. Yeah. Like, she really can shoot a rifle, which is why she is was in Annie Get Your Gun mm. on Broadway. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my god. I fully forgot about that. You can't get a man with a gun. What is, is that the right? The Tony is performance that... is so cuckoo. Oh. She's the best. We're so lucky. So I'm doing uh, Upcoming shows, as everybody, we are, we're just reiterating, September 7th, Laura Nero, Joe's Pub, but then December 2nd, I'm doing Reba's Country Christmas. <laughs> yes. Coming home at Club Coming, and I've got special guests. I'm chock full of special guests. It's um, Angela DiCarlo mm. as Reba's mother. She's incredible. Uh, David Ilku from mm. Unitard as Reba's... Genius. Well... Ex-husband Narvel. Narvel. <laughs> uh, Nathan Carrera as her son Shelby, the race car driver. Yes. Uh, Kyle Supley as Conway Twitter. Wow. <laughs> it's so corny, <laughs> but we do. But it's duets. It's like Reba duets, Amazing. you know. And um, Patrick Johnson as Linda Davis, <laughs> who uh, you you know that song. Um, Does he love you? Yes, 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 yes. Does he love you like mm. he loves me? You know, and so it's a duet with Linda Davis. And um, if you watch the music video, Reba assassinates them. What? <laughs> Reba murders Linda Davis. Which I love. That's very murder ballad. The you know, writ millennium. I love that. And Reba also in that video had been in a car accident. And had a gash on her forehead, <laughs> so her costume designer Sandy Spaka created this <laughs> turban for her to wear in the video, with like a long, no. sort of white sheet. It's a turban. Naturally, because that's what you think for Reba. That's the natural Covers solution. The <laughs> I'm. Now you have to go home and watch exactly. the video. This is the true dramaturgy, the queer dramaturgy. Yeah, exactly. And everyone who's at Club Coming that night, that is going to be deep faggotry. That is yes, that is deep, not deep faggotry. Yeah, yeah. That is you're gonna have screaming yes, gays. It's I mean be crying. Because so Reba yeah. is you know, someone it's a there's passion. Show, but it's not that Christmassy because no. I mean there's only so much Christmas you can do. So there'll totally. be a few a spattering of Christmas, but there will mostly be hits. Mm, good. And um, costume changes and wig changes. Oh. Hello. So. <laughs> the last time I saw you perform was at Club Coming, I think for Alan's like Christmas party, for Club Coming's Christmas party, because yeah. Jack yeah. and I had a show there earlier that night, and then we performed later that night, but I remember Jack and I turning to each other, we smoked <laughs> outside, all three of us, and I remember being like, I just mm. smoked with Amber Martin. Oh, come on. Well, because I was watching you. I was so There's happy to see better. you perform. Like, 
like literally feet from you. I was like at the front and I was just, I hadn't seen you perform live, I think since our hit parade. And I was just oh, like, our hit parade. I was like this voice, you know, like those were the days. Yeah. Can Jesus you Christ. break down for our listeners what our hit parade was, well, its legacy, uh, etc.? Kenny Melman. Okay. And, um, Bridget Everett. Bri- well, Bridget and Neil Medlin. Medlin were, uh, had this great little group, the three of them. I thought that was magical what happened. And, um, it was basically the top hits of the day, or uh, was it, God help me, it was, was it, like um, the top 10? It was like, well, it was the top ha- 10 hits from of that a, month, from a certain month in a certain year. Yes. Wow. Well, so that was I think great. It was... So they could change every time, right? Right. And then the only rule, right, was that you just had to do the lyrics from the song. And then you Oh could... no, it was the top ten current hits right. at it was the from time. That month. That's right. Yeah, it was from that month. And so you would see like Aaron Markey and Cola Scola doing um someone that I used to know oh, in like a really okay. weird fucking like chant. Or you'd see Bridget Everett doing Rihanna, right? Or like and Molly do, Pope. I think, like I'm trying to think what I did. I think one I did once. Uh, I did I several watched, of them, but I did Reba, Jar of Hearts. Sh- Jar of Hearts. You did Jar of Hearts <laughs> as Reba. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's 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 Reba doing Jar of Hearts as if the as if the label is asking her to do this, and she's reading these lyrics, just being like, "What the fuck?" No, and so you change no. it to Jar of Hearts. Yeah, I p- I picked up a. Yeah, it was so, so at the good. And I picked up a jar it's and I opened genius. it up. There's like subtlety in your performance. It's so good. No, I mean how corny, right? A fart joke. No, but Who it, even there, but there were other. Jo- there were so many jokes in the middle of it. Jar of it, farts. You and whoever you were doing it with, he was on guitar and he was also doing backup. It was first of all beautiful. Oh, it was wow. um, Mike Jackson. Mm, mm-hmm. His uh, now in one of the tender moments with Bridget. Brilliant. Uh. Mike's. Amazing. He Mike Jackson, great guitarist, great singer, great bass. But everything he touches is amazing. He's a good. He's a great right. talent. And it seemed like our hit parade had developed this kind of like, kind of cult. central crew like a or cult, cult, cult following of like, almost. Well, a cult following, but, but like an ensemble. The, the ensemble of people that would return every time mm-hmm. became. It was a crew. You're right, like a circus. I was in college in San Diego, just like watching videos from this thing on <laughs> wow. YouTube just following it like wasn't that also didn't they they did it right didn't they do lot couldn't you watch it live I think that then? there was one or two where, there they, was a where they tried where, to do that but yeah, then there were weird like yeah but anyways it, it's so did you find yourself in there just from knowing like Neil and Bridget Bridget yeah Bridget was my connection to that okay because um, she and Sweetie were doing a a show. I cannot remember. It was a variety show at a gay bar uptown, and I can't remember the name of the gay bar. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a little tiny room in the back. It was like a fuselage of an airplane. <laughs> and she invited me. She had heard about me somewhere in the neighborhood, sure. you know, in our little downtown freaky world. I can't remember how I met Bridget, but she, i that's how I met her, basically, yeah. was her and Sweetie, and I did, appeared as, did a little number, and she's like, you come be in, uh, you know, be a guest. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And you had already been performing in New York for, multi, for like <clears throat> a few years, and when that happened? Yeah, I've, I got really lucky, because uh, when I moved here from Portland, I had, I was friends with a few of the Radical Fairies that... Mm. Yes. 
that I knew in Portland had moved here. Uh, Dandelion, do you know? No. Daniel Dandelion, he's a DJ. He's a dear, dear old friend of mine, and he's the one that started bringing me to, like, salons. Um, you know, Michael Warner and Sean Bellman had a beautiful loft in Chelsea, and they were having a salon, and Daniel brought me, Dandelion brought me, and, you know, that's where I met Vivian and uh, John, Cameron Mitchell, and uh, Earl Dax. I mean, just all these game changers yes. yeah. you know in in our in our community mm -hmm. and uh, and also then another one of my radical fairy friends was doing a weekly or monthly party called B list at nowhere bar wow and nowhere bar back then was um, they would do performances at like 1 a.m yeah and people would just sit on the floor because there was nowhere to sit wow and they were like we can give you a hundred bucks come in and do you know 45 minute <laughs> <laughs> like, great, my first gig yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. New York City is yeah. at a gay bar. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was it was just perfect, and so then that's kind of where it all started. Was that, Amazing. and also um, my friend Stephen Michael Rondell actually gave me my first gig before I moved here hmm. at the Greenwich Street Theater. I think it's called. It doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, you've had such a rich <clears throat> career and you have your your album Am Gold, you've channeled all these past divas. I guess I'm just curious like what what you want wh not what's next, but what what you're still what you want to do that you haven't done or what's something that's been hard for you that you want to kind of wrestle and conquer. I want to pay my rent. I know. Just want to pay one month <sighs> on time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I definitely must stay in New York. And I, da I got a lucky situation where I got a rent-stabilized apartment in the East Village. Mm. I don't think those are easy to come by anymore. So I'm trying so hard to hold on to it. It's, you know, it's big enough for me not to have to rent a storage unit for all my shit. Right. right. But it's uh, too small to share with somebody. Mm. It's just, I don't think I could do it. I'd go crazy having to share. No, there's a lot of A one-bedroom. There's a lot of, yeah. 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 What's the, I think, Sophie Tucker song or something? It's, um, I Live Alone and I Like It. What is, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I... I'm living living alone, and I like it. And you should be in the village. You should mm -hmm. be by club. You know, you, I should be it, there. This that's, is right. That's all yeah. I want. You know, yeah. now, granted, if I got, you know, a Manhattan Plaza, I'm like number 200 on the waiting list oh, now. Fuck. Right. So another 10 yeah. years, and I should be in there. With you Chuck know? Cooper, who will still be there. Yeah, <laughs> and David Elko. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Killer <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Larry Goldhuber. Uh, Ico and Como, like, they're all there. Um but I, I would move if that pre presented itself to me. But until then, I, I'm never going to find a place for what I pay, just a little under 1700 a month. Mm. That's cheap, right? Yeah. But for me alone, that's all my money goes to that. I know. You know, and so things are changing. You know, it's not a pity party for me. You know, it's I've chosen that life. But also it's like, Jesus, just let me get... To a place, you know, where I can just be like, I don't need to be rich. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
I just want bills and rent to be paid and to be able to, you know, go have a sushi sometime. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know. Being, That's trying to be a full-time artist in a city. And be able to do what I, yeah. what I've chosen in my lot in life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, the, my you know, the, used to say, yeah. my mom used to say, uh, she'd say, Amby, please get a job that you can have some security and just, you need security. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, you mean like you working at Mobile Oils? She goes, yes, that is a secure, she mm. said, I have a retirement savings. And in fact, she did, you know. But I'll never forget when Exxon bought mobile, she called me crying and she's like, there's just, they're laying everybody off. And mm. she didn't get laid off, you know, but she was one of the few mm. that, and I remember going, security mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that no even security? mean? Yeah. You know, I could walk out of here and get flattened by a bus. There's no security. You have to, you have to every second be doing what you want to be doing. And the rewards are vast if yeah. you are if you can take that risk it's just there's no timeline so we don't know right no yeah. there is but, no timeline but it's bigger you're you know you're drinking the sun it's it's more oh i like that it just came out of nowhere it's pretty hot <laughs> but you're drinking it <laughs> your your esophagus is eroded because you're drinking the sun but it's worth it but yeah, it's a pain, and I understand. Be and also, I I'm sure we've all had you know the weeks when you aren't thinking about you know it, the rare times when I've given myself where I'm like I'm just not thinking about it this mm -hmm. week, which is so irresponsible. I get so much done, hmm. so much writing just pours out because my brain doesn't need to be in that like, mm. am I gonna die? Right. What's gonna happen? Well, and can, you know, you know the stress of waking up and knowing that oh god I gotta pay the rent. Oh god, that feeling of when you wake up and you're just like oh yeah you know. But then when that's not there and everything, you wake up and you're just like, oh, thank you. Right. <laughs> right. I'm alive. Yeah, you, you live know? in New York. Like, everything is fabulous. Everything's cool. Yeah. And, and actually, I have to say, um, um, since I've been touring with John Cameron Mitchell, did y'all know that, that I'm doing? Yeah. Fabulous. His Origin of Love tour. That's a special blessing in my life because it's been, it's like a proper gig. Yeah. You know, and... You know, it could end any time when when John decides he's over it, or you know. But the, we're still we're still getting gigs are happening. You know, they're talking to people in Europe about doing a Europe and Japan about. And you doing did Australia, Japan. right? We did Australia first. That was right. where we started it. But I uh, that that's been so things are starting to change a little bit for me now, which is nice. You know. I like that. I'm, you I'm deserve like, it. Oh, okay, yeah. 13 years. Of, yeah. It's yeah. kind of time to do something to happen, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, but I'm also spending my winters down in New Orleans. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. bi-coastal now. Oh. So you and Daniel do that. He, he owns a, an apartment down there. Right. Chi-Chi and Johnny. Chi-Chi Valenti and Johnny Dinell own a place down there. Jake Shears is Jason's, bubbling around there. Yep, yeah. Jake Shears owns a bachelor pad down oh, there. God, that's devastating. <laughs> I, I cannot be yeah, allowed near that. It's over when he's there. When <laughs> he's cannot. in town, it's just like dangle pops. Yeah. <laughs> I, came up with this, um, <laughs> I came up with this great invention. Don't steal it out there, you people. 
But um, you know, the, remember how you used to have to wear like the headgear when you had braces? Mm-hmm. The headgear. I don't. Know, I don't think they do that anymore. So you take a headgear, <laughs> right, and you attach it to a bottle of popper, <laughs> and it just dangles under your nose. So that way, you don't have to use your hands to do the poppers. You can just. <laughs> You can just cruise around That's, with a constant popper, right? It's genius here, because in the hot tub in Fire Island, <laughs> when when we had to pass the poppers around, it's like don't fucking drop don't them. Don't drop yeah. the pop. <laughs> oh my god! So we're I'm calling it Dangle Pops. Dangle Pops. That's amazing. And um, that way, you yeah. you know, you don't have to use your hands anymore. Hands. Can free. we trademark that? Yes. Can we get you paid? It happened here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's part of history now. <laughs> So, okay, so September 7th is uh, Laura Nero. December 2nd is Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre, Reba's Country Christmas. And where can people be following you to find out more? Oh, um, I am on Insta. I'm at Ms. Amber Martin, Ms. Amber Martin. Damn right. One word. Uh, I have a website that I, it's really a web page. It's super easy, free. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. uh, ambermartin.org. Just think orgasm, and you'll remember. It. <laughs> but, um, because I'm not really an organization, but I'm organized. You're an institution. You're not an organization. <laughs> AmberMartin.inst. <laughs> also, get into this voice and just go down the YouTube hole of Amber Martin. Oh, that's it's like, really. I have yeah. a YouTube channel. There's some yeah. funny, sh- weird shit on yeah, there. Yeah, get on it. It's. I mean, <laughs> That's true. That is the most fun Thank you can you. have. Did, I mean, David and I talk about this a lot, but there are performers who, like, just the divine is flowing through them when mm-hmm. they are performing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, like, seeing you live, seeing you do uh, those, it's it's one of those, like, very God. special experiences. So, yeah, get Thank into you. it. Yeah. Really, that means the world to me. Thank you so much for that. That's really great. Totally. So, uh, well, we'll see you on September 7th. My album is oh, yes. on uh, Spotify, and um, God, you can also cover. buy it. I love the title, too, at my AM shows. Gold. It's oh. gorgeous. Yes. AM Gold. It's kind of like a K-Tel record <laughs> from the late 70s, early 80s, but it's all original. Brett, Brett Every wrote it. Right. And then when we were creating the record together, we, uh, you know, I would take liberties on certain songs, because they have to... I have to feel it personally, obviously, to put mm. it on a record, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you think that makes sense? And he was fine with that. So then I got writing credit Amazing. on a lot of the songs. And um, there's a song with uh, uh, Jake Shears that we wrote together mm. on there. A song by Paul Leshen. It's, it's a fun... It's, uh, it's really beautiful. It's fun. A little bit of something for everybody. Uh, I love it's these really photos, beautiful, too. yeah. Thank you. Thank well, so thank you, Matthew Amber. Matthew Plasek did the cover. It's, it's really yeah, the hair, the eyes, the neck, the Thanks. skin. <laughs> yeah, that was taken a few years ago. <laughs> Things have changed. Amber Martin, thank you so much for being here. Derek, thank you so much for being my co-host today. Uh, oh, I love you guys. We love you too. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. And help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.